This episode of Truth's Table is sponsored by Waterbrook, an imprint of Penguin Random House. Waterbrook publishes Christian books that seek to intensify and satisfy a reader's elemental thirst for a deeper relationship with God. Waterbrook seeks messages that draw on the Bible, experiential learning, story, practical guidance, and inspiration to help readers thrive in their faith. Waterbrook's website is waterbrookmultnomah.com. You can also follow them on social media at waterbrookmultnomah. Welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. I'm Michelle. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, sisters. How y'all doing? Well, well, well. <laughs> Feeling a well. Feeling <laughs> <laughs> a well. Talking a well right there. Stopping the well right there. A well and a woe. A well and a woe. A woe, woe, woe. You need to add that in there. A well and a woe. A woe, woe, woe. You woe, woe, woe. <laughs> First we say well, 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 well. Then we go well, 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 well. You had a remix. <laughs> Delirious. We should give a warning. We are delirious. We can be all weekend. We are delirious, y'all. Uh, this is our mailbag episode. We know this Yay. is a fave of y'all's. So the mailbag is on the table um, <clears throat> this week. Uh, but fair warning, we're a little delirious. We are um, gearing up for the Joy and Justice Conference, y'all. Yeah, we are. Yeah, there we are. Work so pray. Yeah, Although yeah. by the time you all hear this, it will have already been popping. So pray though. So, exactly, yeah. popping in a good, popping in a good way, popping in a positive way. Yes, popping <laughs> in the joyful and hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes. So, anyways, how y'all doing? Hmm. Well, uh, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's fine. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm yet holding on <laughs> by the grace of God. <laughs> Look, this is where we are right now today. Look, I was about, I was about to know? say, well, you know, there's there's impeachment talk. There's uh, oh there's exactly. shenanigans to the left and to the right. I mean, there's a lot yeah. going on. And I'm like, what, what's really happening? I'm yeah. tired. I just I want America to just go on a timeout. I want America you know? to go down somewhere and stop it. Stop Everybody so, losing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. America is so it's so it's so much. It's America is so over the top that mm-hmm. it's giving little yeah. room for the life other like other elements of life. So I'm just like get it together. Oh no, yeah, get it together. Oh so, yeah, oh yeah. That's, that's like, how that's I feel about that ecologically. Hey man, <laughs> hello, hello, hello. And y'all yeah. better stop talking about that little girl Greta. Y'all better stop it. You know, you know the earth is crying out. Hey, I ain't got no beef for Greta. I don't know if some people do. I'm like, look, she trying to say, look, all these children, they're going to save us. they trying to help us. Oh, look, <laughs> their babies no really are all we have left. You know, The babies are what we got. And they have like, no confidence in us because we suck. That's right. The adults suck. So, <laughs> they keep saying we have no faith in grown-ups. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the tweet. And I'm like, and I think you're right. I don't either. That's right. The same. <laughs> children lead us. Oh, uh, God. I'm consistently amazed at how much skin there must be on all of our teeth mm. because we just keep 
hanging. We keep yes. pushing. We keep surviving. And I'm like, Lord, my teeth done shed a lot of skin. Well, but I'm out here well, <laughs> succeeding and producing only, only by that margin. So mm-hmm. I, you know, as weary as we are, I still feel a lot of mercy and a lot of miracles. Oh, it's I, a miracle clearly, every day. Clearly, that we keep <laughs> keeping on. Yes, Oof. Mm-hmm. we keep on mm-hmm. keeping on. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, let's get into these questions. Yeah, let's, I let's know get into segue. <laughs> We about to go on a we need to do a truth table rant episode. Uh, you know what? But no, we haven't done that. Nobody can track it. Like there are a few people Mm-mm. who can track the, the subtext of That's our true. rant. It wouldn't make any sense. Y'all should have heard our prep it. conversation. It made no sense. But it would have been we have so cathartic for us though. <laughs> we tried. I mean, we tried to keep it high on the joy because it's too many shenanigans. But who knows oh, what might happen next season? So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I'm gonna dip my um hand into the mailbag um <laughs> shake it around <laughs> and pull out a question okay mm-hmm. so i have this question from this sister i'm gonna leave their names out oh good good do that <laughs> i'm gonna leave their names out <laughs> she's asking what do you think about the idea that racism and sexism are pro- byproducts of the love of money i believe this is her own mm-hmm. theory uh, which is the root of all evil right the love of money that's the root of all evil is it possible that we will conquer those things if we first tackle the love of money um should we be putting our efforts into fighting our country's mindset toward money and power or putting our efforts toward fighting our country's mindset toward racism racial bias xenophobia so what say y'all about that question from the sister at the table this is a interesting question that often comes up in different movement spaces um Mm -hmm. but i think in the in the area of intersections of faith and mm-hmm. civic engagement, the question kind of answers itself. And that is when people of faith say, how do we tackle individual sins and loves and desires that impact the community? And mm-hmm. the answer is always, you know, when you when you attack anything that is wrong, that is riddled with guilt and iniquity at its core, that good fight always attacks the community, um, always impacts the community. Mm -hmm. So I think that to attack racism is to really to denounce the capitalism that exploits people who are hated because of their race. And then to attack the love of money, I guess I'm just, I'm going to presume that she might be speaking in an individual way, but that too, if this is a sister in the United States or it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I'm going to presume that there is a hint of an understanding of what capitalism is. And I, and I believe that capitalism is, is extremely racist. It's extremely dependent upon exploitation. And so mm-hmm. once you begin to say, what's the root of this particular evil, racism is going to be there. And what, what is at the root of the particular evil of racism? Capitalism is going to be there. So I'm not sure how to how to split efforts because to me it sounds like harmonizing uh the struggle against capitalism and racism dr king made this very plain if you attack poverty you must attack racism if you attack militarism you must attack poverty you must attack racism we have to attack all three and i think our different skills and our strategies for doing so may focus one or the other but the church is the mother of 
all kinds mm-hmm. of movement strategy and that she can attack mm-hmm. all kinds of things at yeah. once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, I, I echo some of the sentiments that Michelle is lifting up. And also I think, so the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. That's that, that the plural element of that, the, um, mm-hmm. the creativity of depravity um, is what I think about when I think about that kinds of evil. Um, but also I think about what is the purpose of money and uh, kind of a, the theology of sin in conversation with money. And so money gives us a false sense of security, of identity, of dominance. And I would say at the bottom of that is not just the sin of lust for money or the exploitation of neighbor, but for the desire to be God over self and God over the world and God over God. So I would, I would say that for me, the core, the core sin issue is idolatry and that money and privilege, um, position, status, uh, corrupted power, um, that all of that is um, an attempt to be God over self and God over, over others. That's why money is attracted to us because it makes us think that we, we actually run in things when we have it and we're running people mm-hmm. when we have it. So we got to have as much of it as possible and we'll use people to get it. Um, but that idolatry, I think, is, was at, at the bottom of it. And I think, um, yeah, I think, I think addressing the need or the desire or the longing to um, want to be, you know, a demigod, I think is probably... Um, the, a bit of the theological work that we have to do, where we where we're getting our where we're getting our loves from, where we're getting our sense of safety, um, the way that money makes us think that we're safe, um, that we won't be found out, that we won't be held accountable because we have money. You know, um, the way that money distorts us into thinking that mm-hmm. who has it is better than who doesn't have it. Like there's a moral and ethical and characterological claim that we make about who and who doesn't have money. So I think that's all the work that we need to do, uh, some, some of the work that we need to do theologically. Um, and certainly uh, it works itself out through capitalist systems that create this great divide of stratification between the haves and the have-nots. So you see it exacerbated, I think, in mm-hmm. societies like ours where there's this, where you can have this really big gap between who has resources and who doesn't have resources. Mm. Okay. All right. Sounds great. I have nothing to add. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that helped the system. Sure. I think so. It should. (laughs) Oh yes. Goodness gracious. Yes. All right. Okay. Um. Shake up the bag. Shake it up, girl. Shake shake, (laughs) it like a fried chicken, girl. Shake and bake. Shake, shake, shake. Shake and Okay. All right. All right. Distraction. Um, this question is, ooh, I love this question. Yes. Should people go to therapy even with the absence of trauma? And if so, what age should they start? I mean, be direct with it, you yeah, know? That's good. That is great. Like, cause I, I think my five-year-old needs a therapist. Is it okay to start even though they don't have trauma? I mean, I'm just trying to figure right. out where that question came from. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. A sister who's um, kind of raising, you know, a mm-hmm. teenage, young oh, adult. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Black, yeah. black women, girls, I guess. Yeah. This, well, women, young women at, mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, think? yeah. <laughs> I think everybody needs therapy. <laughs> <laughs> 
What? <laughs> I think everybody needs therapy. I don't. I mean, honestly, I don't know. And maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you know, uh, the doctor at the table can correct me. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know that any of us escape um, uh, uh, trauma on some level um, on this side. You know, in this fallen world. I mean, even entering into this world through the birth canal is of some level of trauma. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm so involved there. And so I just, I wonder, you know, and so I, I don't, I don't think you have to, and I think what this person is getting at is, did they have to have some sort of what we consider a cataclysmic event, right. That, um, that really, you know, shaped them and has, um, maybe marred that person to the point where they're stuck and they can't get beyond that moment. I, I, mm-hmm. My guess, you know, is that that might be what this person means by trauma. Um, mm-hmm. But I, my, my, uh, but yeah, I believe that, uh, that therapy is for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a, a common grace gift that God has given um, that he's provided psychologists and psychi- um, psychiatrists um, and uh, therapists and counselors uh, to walk with us on this on this stony road, <laughs> you know, okay. um, along with the, of course, along with the church and our, our pastors and, you know, and, and all of, all of our accountability and all that we do, whatever, whenever, however your spiritual di- disciplines um, look, work out. Um, I, I do believe that, yep, that therapy um, is appropriate, even in the absence of something, you know, some significant traumatic um, event. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the reality is that um, sin, uh, the novetic effects of sin, impact our um, emotions. They impact our um, ability to think. They um, impact um, the way that we love or don't love, you know, um, our neighbor. And so I think that's something that always, you know, uh, I think it's always helpful to be able to speak to somebody um, who is skilled, who is trained, who's certified, um, and uh, who can listen with a compassionate ear and to correct you when you need to be corrected and to challenge you and to help um, uh, 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 re-record, you know, the the, the defective tape, you know, um, audio within your mind that's saying, I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, I'm, um, uh, I don't deserve to be here. You know, I don't, you know, that, that's, that's, it has all the self-loathing, the self-doubt. I think that's important. Um, I think that's, that's needed. And I think everybody, um, needs that. As far as what age to start, I'm going to defer to my other sisters at the table. I don't, I really don't know. I mean, my, my, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I would imagine it's a case by case basis, um, uh, issue for everybody, but I don't know. What, what do y'all think I mean, about I, that? So, you know, most people who go into to counseling are not going in because of a specific trauma. They might be going in because of the symptomatology that mm-hmm. is a result of a trauma or traumas in their life. But they're, but it's very, uh, very common that they're not able to tie it to a particular event or incident or experience per se, that mm. is the, the precipitating traumatic mm. event. So, but the symptoms are, could, could very much be, you know, depression and anxiety are going to be the most common reasons why you see people entering into counseling and uh, depression and anxiety, both are legitimate uh, medical phenomenons, <laughs> right? And uh, we have brains, and mm-hmm. we have to take good care of our brains. Um, the same, just like just like the rest of our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I tend to look at mm-hmm. therapy and counseling from a very physiological standpoint. I think that um, there are different forms of therapy. There are different uh, focus and and different um, different schools or schools of techniques uh, around therapy. And I think that um, 
there, you know, if, if you're talking about whether or not a child should enter therapy, I mean, there's some there's some therapies that are very much focused on um, cognitive and social skill development, which is a great thing for people <laughs> to experience and learn to be able mm-hmm. to identify. Mm-hmm. Everyone benefits Everyone. from being able to properly <laughs> label an emotion, to be able to explain it, to be able Hello. to process through so that we don't end up with just two yes. emotions, which is numbness and anger. And so, cause there's a lot more going on for wow. us besides those two. Wow. And I think the earlier that we can start cultivating that, the better. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to necessarily do formal therapy, formal therapy per se, but introducing to children very early um, mental health hygiene, I think it's just wisdom. And, and I would argue that such is the case. Mm-hmm. We can see that happening in the way in, in scripture and the way that we are called to train up children, to be meditating on the word, to um, in the ways in which we are to interact with them um, has these has both spiritual and therapeutic implications. Mm-hmm. So I so, yeah, obviously I am I'm pro therapy. <laughs> I'm pro therapy for the people. But I do think people should be wise. And I think people should ask the questions of of their potential therapist in terms of like, um, you know, a question that might, might trip them up, but it will let them, it will let them know that you have been doing your research is explain, explain how change comes to be from your framework. So you can ask somebody a question like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that will let them know that you, yeah. that you want to have a sense of, you know, how they how they think about, um, helping people to navigate through difficulties and mental health related issues. And so, yeah, I would kind of get all in their business about that. Yeah. But, uh, but also I would also be open, you know, sometimes therapists in my case, we make the worst patients like nurses make the worst patients, et cetera. Um, right. So, so, so at some point you have to do some degree of submission and say, I'm actually here because I need help. I don't yeah. actually know everything. Yeah. Let me just experience this opportunity to be able to mm-hmm. share my story and to uh, walk through the, the clinician's recommendations. So, yep, yep, yep. What you got to say about that, mm-hmm. Michelle? You know, very little to add. I'm just, I'm <laughs> yeah. still over here bowled over by the fact that Dr. Edmondson is out here like, make sure you interrogate your potential therapist about their transformative theory of change. I'm like, what? That is a word. That is a word. I'm hearing that. Um, Yeah, I definitely think about young children going through behavioral issues that um, I think obviously that points maybe to anxiety, but I think about um, our young ones not being acquainted with what they're supposed to do with their bodies, how they are to mm-hmm. treat and respect other people's bodies and how different habits are formed you know, very helpfully with professionals, even just one or two visits with a professional um, can help to give parents and caregivers a lot of tools for bringing up the babies in the way they should go. And I think it's great to see different church groups and also like groups at school, um, our kids, uh, school, different units talk about mindfulness and they talk about um, empathy. And a lot of that, if not all of it, was developed by hardcore professional psychologists and psychiatrists. So it's helpful. We're getting therapy in ways that we didn't even know. Um, I would be interested right. in, this is another question, but I'd be interested in y'all's take on Instagram for therapy and people mm-hmm. using social mm-hmm. media as self-care. But that's a whole other mailbag. I'm I'll like, are you, are you putting questions on the fan? I'm not. 
I'm like, I think I'm, I'm like, what are these? I'm like, what are these strange teachings you're bringing to my ear? I have actually not heard of this. Wow, this is interesting. Oh. It's a real thing, you know. Oh. It's everywhere. <laughs> I didn't know that. I really didn't know. Wow. And some of it be genius. Yeah, I mean, sure. I don't. I'm not even trying to knock it because some of it is a, oh, a yeah, for full sure. word, and I get my little like, don't you know, don't get conceited, little drag <laughs> on Instagram a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the truth. The truth is, like, I want, you know, I want us to be really clear and boldly honest about having, if you have access to a therapist, please go to that professional. Um, And I think I just, that's my only real addition. Hey, listen to all these people Mm -hmm. on this podcast saying Mm -hmm. that if you have access to go see a therapist, please do that. And if you don't, we feel you so deep. Um, And it is wrong that people don't have access to mental health care. But Facebook and Instagram cannot, mm-hmm. will not heal uh, your your issues oh, no, with no, no, no. therapist. It won't. Amen. So it that's won't. really Amen. the only thing I added. Don't get the mail back. That's good. All right. See, now jiggle you got to dig in the mail back, Okay. What is happening? What? I know. I was like, oh, jiggle. I said jiggle, not. I heard. Like, That's what I heard. Jiggle. We're going to have to bleep that. We're going to have to bleep that. We got carried away. <laughs> She's keeping it clean. She's keeping it clean. Okay. So here's the. Here. Oh. Shake the bag. Literally okay. shaking my whole body. Right now. <laughs> Okay. Here, here is the question. I am bothered by the term black church and white church. There should just be a church. Why can't we become one and embrace differences? So that's the question. Um, I think the person goes on to say that they had been, they'd been, they had been corrected by a black woman because they had said that they are um, a Christian black woman and the person thought that she should say that they were a black Christian woman and is my blackness more than my relationship with Jesus. This is kind of one of these like semantic extravaganza. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like a grammar thing. I don't know how to describe mm-hmm. it. But I have I have heard such. I have heard such in these streets. <laughs> and yeah, who wants to who wants to start with this one? Well, you know what? I um who is this the sister? Uh yeah, she says that she believes that, you know, why can't we just be the church? You know what? That's mm-hmm. the question that um Absalom Jones <laughs> and Richard Allen wanted to know as well. <laughs> you know, Jesus be a history teacher. Hello. So, Hello. So yeah, so I mean there's a history, right? Um and this is America. Nobody does America, uh, racism America. like America, and uh, we are not to be outdone in this regard. Um, yeah, and the reality win anything. <laughs> is the white supremacy Olympics. So, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna win that. Uh. And so, <laughs> so Absalom Jones and Richard Allen, just brief history. Um, they had attended. Uh, 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 well, I, uh, let me think. I'm trying to think. I think the believe they were, you know, former. Uh, slaves and and they went to uh, St. George Methodist, you know, Episcopal Church actually in Philly and they went to worship the Lord um uh, alongside the other worshipers there who were white, right? Um and uh but the white members there did not 
want them there. They wanted to segregate them and put them in the balcony. Um, and not just them, but any, any of the, the black people that were um, in that church. And so, um, of course, they convened and decided that's what they wanted to do. And um, Richard Allen and Absalom, they went down, you know, for prayers, because that's what you do in the church, right? Um, and so, and they got tapped on the shoulder and they demanded that they move to the balcony. Um, and so they were uh, erecting segregation within the church. And so they, Richard Allen and Absalom Jones, um, knew rightfully so that that's untenable and ungodly and unbiblical. Um, and pretty much that's kind of, I mean, now you could go back into, of course, the days of chattel slavery and say the black church started there. You know, there was, you know, um, there was, you know, the seed, the seed form of the black church probably started there, but I would say more, you know, more formally, it started as a result, um, of, um, Richard Allen and Absalom Jones simply trying to worship with other white believers and they, and the white believers saying, nah, we good. And that's why we have the black church and the white church. And you know what? Thank God for the black church. Um, because the black church is, a, at least for me, has been a place of refuge, has been, um, um, has been the place where I, um, came to faith, where, where I, um, deepened in my faith where I learned to really hold on to, well, well, I learned to hold on to God's unchanging hand and learning that it was him that's holding on to me this whole time. Um, but you know, uh, the black church is a gift and it stands, um, as in some ways I would say even, um, a corrective, a strong corrective, even a covenant lawsuit, I'd say, even against the uh, white church in this in this regard, the white evangelical church, um, more broadly, um, as as a beacon that actually that faithfully, more faithfully, I would say, um, uh, um, demonstrates what the tr- the true f- Christian faith ought to look like with regard to love for God and love for neighbor. That's not to say she's perfect. The church is not perfect. We know that. Um, but I think if you, if you're going to look through the history of the America of America, you have got to see that the black Christians and the black church overall has always had a much more consistent, much more holistic and faithful expression of the Christian faith. Um, by far than our white brothers and sisters, you know, in, in, uh, white churches. So, um, she was like, and I said what I said so, in case you were wondering. That's I right. What I said, cause that's facts on facts. One, um, one. And, <laughs> now, and now we can have a conversation about how progressivism is taking hold in America, uh, in the American church and even in some, uh, some, sections of the black church, but that's another conversation to be had. Um, but that's not exclusive to the black church. Right. Um, now as far as being (laughs) the question about being, am I black Christian woman or Christian black woman is my blackness more than my relationship with Jesus? This is a common question that I get, um, from people and I answer it. And so that's why I'm willing to answer it quickly. I don't know that I don't know if we've gotten this question at the table, which is why it's on the in this mailback episode. So I want to say to this sister, do not spin your wheels losing sleep over this. It is a false choice. Okay. God, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost has never, ever, ever, ever asked us 
to choose between our Christian faith, our Christian identity, and our Blackness. That's not something that has ever been asked of us. It's not something that um, I believe will ever uh, be asked of us. Um, it is It is so, it is it's such truncated. a Western question. It is so, it's it's such a very clear byproduct That's right. That's of, right. of white supremacy, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's wholly anti-Black. You do not need to choose, okay? Your Christianity and your faith is expressed through your blackness. We are not Gnostics, okay? <laughs> Which means that we do not believe that the flesh in and of itself is bad, right? We we are embodied souls, okay? We are flesh and blood. We are, we are um, uh, or I should say flesh and spirit or flesh and soul, however you want to, you know, render that. Um, and so we don't have to choose, okay? Um, even right now, Jesus Christ right now is enthroned, okay? On uh, uh, the right-hand side of God the Father as a brown-skinned Palestinian man with nail scars in his hands, okay? Um, Jesus did not raise us Casper the ghost. We do not need to walk through this world thinking that we have to choose between both. We don't. You are going to retain <laughs> your melanin in the eschaton, in the new heavens and the new earth, you are going to be a black woman. Um, and so you don't need to choose, you know, so that I, I want to be able to, to give you uh, um, your, 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 your freedom card today. <laughs> so, so do not spin your wheels over this. Do not lose sleep over this. Praise God. You know, that God created you as a black woman and glorify him in your body by loving God in both body and soul. And just as he created you to be, you don't need to choose between the two. No, what say y'all? No, no. I didn't say too now. much. Yeah. And I, oh, I, I was going to say, I think good. it's important that people yeah. differentiate between the, so the visible and the invisible church. I mean, this is this, different traditions. We use this language or not, but mm-hmm. it's very helpful in my mind when, when I think about the visible and invisible church um, from, a, as a theo- from a theological standpoint. And when I think about the church, small c, from a sociological standpoint. And if you're thinking about the church as an institution, um, then it's more than reasonable to talk about it as a black, as the black church or the Korean immigrant church or the, I mean, we're talking about sociological Mm -hmm. institutions and structures. Mm -hmm. And so that's fine. Can certainly talk about it that way. (laughs) Um, There's certainly, there's even biblical precedent to talk about the church in Jerusalem or the church of the mainly the the Messianic Jews that were there, et cetera. So it's, it's describing a sociological representation within the small C church. Um, If you're talking about the, the capital C church, the, the invisible church discerned by Jesus Christ alone, ultimately, who will do the great separation, mm-hmm. not I, but Jesus, then, that's, then that church, of course, isn't a white church or a black church. It is a church that represents every tribe, uh, tribe, tongue, from, from representing the Catholicity of the church. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think we can do both of those things. And I, and I think Akimini was kind of walking down the street of the of the um, limitations on Western thinking, describing and discerning a book and a faith that is Eastern, that is able to hold together multiple ideas in a very cyclical, symbiotic way versus a linear way of thinking. And this is not me trying to pit East against West and saying there's problems, but you know, because the, the truth is God has allowed all these different cultural interpretations of being and thinking to exist. 
and I think there's strengths and weaknesses in all of them. But yeah. one of the deficits of Western thought and Western thinking is a is an inability to sit with complicated thoughts that are seemingly, and I'm putting that in air quotes, mm-hmm. seemingly contradictory at the same time. But the Christian faith itself is riddled with holy paradoxes from the beginning to the end. So this tension of being able to talk about uh, being um, dying to sin, but being raised with Christ, like the, the paradoxal of language is just all the way through this faith tradition. And so we can actually sit with complex ideas, don't have to know the full answer and say, okay, the Lord is going to work this out. So the black church exists as a theological embodied expression that black people are made in the image of God um, in a world that has told them that they're not humans. And so it is a, um, it's a theological expression, a resistance to a, a heresy. Um, so I think of the black church as being one of the greatest fruits and evidences of God's kindness and mercy at work in the United States. It continues to be the conscience of a, a highly capitalistic and selfish um, idolatrous nation. And that's at its best. That doesn't mean the black church itself does not need to lay out before the altar and repent itself. Right. But it still represents the conscience, Mm -hmm. I believe, it's fair to say, of the United States. So that's my two cents on that. Maybe 75 cents. Mm. (laughs) All righty. So we have another question. Oh, do I have to? Oh, I think it's my turn to shake the bag. It is your turn. It is your turn. Okay. All right. I'm shaking it, shaking it. Bing. Okay. So um, now this um, sister is reaching out to us because um, she's concerned for a friend, actually, who um, is a part of a religion called the Mission, Mission Society of God church. Um, and she's like, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of them or not. Uh, but they, she said they started relatively recently and they have certain teachings, like teachings, like the second coming of Christ already happened back in South Korea. They believe in God, the mother. Yeah. Very specific. Yeah. Um, they believe in God, the mother (laughs) and that she's alive today and that those who celebrate the Sabbath on Sundays are, are essentially going to hell. Um, and recently one of her dear friends got involved with this in this group and is caught in this, um, um, in this group. And she's just wanting to know our opinions. One, whether do we, do we believe these claims, right? The claims that Jesus says, um, uh, the, like the second coming of Christ has come already. Um, and do, do we also believe in the claim um, of uh, God, the mother, and that she's alive today? Um, so that's the first question. Second is, what advice would you give uh, for her to help someone who's involved in this group? So what say y'all? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Heavy. I yeah. have not heard of it. It's very specific, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot, and it's specific. Yeah. I know nothing of this group. Yeah, same. I mean, I... I I mean, I've heard of other other mm-hmm. uh, folks who have similar, you know, thoughts and ideas uh, in, in one shape, one way, shape, or form. Right. Um, so I, so okay, I'll give it a stab, mm-hmm, like in mm-hmm. thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I, and this is me trying to be respectful too. Yeah. I don't, I don't know enough to be to give wise thoughts specific mm-hmm. to the church that she's identified, and I want to be respectful of people mm-hmm. because I really believe that you, um, if you're going to critique something, you need to hear it from its best representative. Mm-hmm. Even if you're like, I think that's wrong. You you still need mm-hmm. to hear, hear an 
gain an understanding from um, it, the group's best representative that they would pick, pick, out, pick out to describe themselves. Mm-hmm. With that being said, so I certainly hold, I hold to the belief that Jesus Christ um, is currently um, at the right hand of the Father. He has not returned. Um, but in that great getting up morning, say he will. Like I'm, I'm waiting for him to crack the sky and come back. So mm-hmm. I do believe in a resurrected Savior who is going to be returning and the completion, the culmination of making all things new. Right. But it has already started now, the resurrection. It has it has already mm-hmm. come. Mm-hmm. Um, so Christ is yet at work in us and through us, the church, his people, and the world even right now before Christ returns. So I would say that's that's how I would push back maybe a little bit in that regard. In terms of the language of God, mother, God's God, so I mean I mean I know a lot of folks who use that type of language, but for other reasons, mainly because of um, what they believe is a correction, um, and they're attempting to to demonstrate kind of a gender inclusiveness around um, the divine, around around God. So I hold to God, God. God the Father, mm-hmm. uh, specifically because, uh, so there's two reasons. One is because the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, this is my Father, and I'm introducing this Father as your Father as well. And so if it's good enough for Jesus to say it, I'm straight. I'm going to keep that language. Right. Um, the, mm-hmm. the second reason is because based on that particular social setting and context, inheritance typically went from father to child. And so when we think about what it means to be in Christ, we are now inheritors of the kingdom of God, so Mm -hmm. to speak, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's another reason why. That's not a critique about whether or not we should have a patriarchal system, right? But that's more so in line with what was happening in that social context and setting. So anyway, those those are my two longer than 30 second statements, but that's that's all I got until I know and understand more about... um, this specific organization. Anybody got anything else? Mm-hmm. Michelle, yeah. you something? I mean, I'm very similar um, to see in terms of just the idea of critiquing a thing that we have mm-hmm. just a person, you know, a person whose heart is broken by their friend's involvement in it. Yeah. Um, that, you know, what, what I think is best to offer is empathy. Um, mm-hmm. When, you are wanting to confront a friend who is moving in a direction that you disagree with. And um, the best way to help someone specifically involved in this group, I, I mean, unless there's a professional on the line who knows about this group, like it's, it's just unwise <laughs> to try to offer a specific answer to that. But I we do think that hearing, hearing them and, and asking them what, what, brought them to that place is really, is really important. And then trying so hard. And I know, I know that it is so hard to, to not feel uh, some amount of emotional uh, response, especially, you know, they describe heartbreak. And I would guess that there was a devotion to um, Christianity as we would define it before, Mm -hmm. before this um, going into the mission society. So I understand that, that heartbreak. Um, but I think that the only encouragement I have for, for this sister is to really depend on the mercy and the greatness of God. Um, and I don't, I don't quite understand the phrasing uh, mm-hmm. of God, the mother who's alive today. Cause you know, right. God, God is alive today. <laughs> is there a, I, you know, I don't, is the sister yeah. implying that there's like a embodied woman 
I don't know. But oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, in terms of like the claims, you know, where mm-hmm. I stand and how I fall is, um, yeah, I do. I do support this, even though it's like, oh, this is so trendy for feminists to do. Um, I have a, I have a deep respect for people who are willing to, to mm-hmm. just say what their hearts and what even they feel the interpretation of who God is. They feel that there's a corrective needed and they're making that plain. And that imagery does not trouble me. Um, and I don't have heartbreak around, um, God, the mother imagery to be uh, frank about it. Um, but I do think that there's, there's serious questions that have to come up when we press, demand, or move towards um, a disagreement that allows us to despise people who hold mm-hmm. to God the Father um, imagery as if it is utterly false. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's mm-hmm. problematic. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I don't know if I could say, yeah, I don't have any comment on whether or not she's a lot today because I grew up singing, you've been my mother, you've been my father, you've been my sister, my brother too, which would all imply that God is alive. Mm-hmm. So that might have, that's my only confusion. But I do think that our sister should extend deep sympathy and, um, and try to continue conversation. I know it's going to be hard, but um folks who are listening who have loved yeah. ones in in places where they utterly disagree and where they feel there's a moral and a, even a spiritual um, precariousness to people's positions. I Obviously, the same way that the Lord feels for a lost sheep, that's how we, that's how we should feel first. Yes, um, yes. Turn aside and go mm-hmm. and find them and, and set a table for them and, and serve them and, and, really honestly embrace them and sacrifice the way that the Lord did for you when, when you were crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, and I would just um, say that um, I would encourage the sister to um, look in, well, first of all, look into uh, this um, church that her friend is involved in. Um, look at, there's lots of resources online about, um, you know, how to identify a cult if this is a cult. Um, and, and maybe even how to help a friend if they are, uh, cotton one, um, and extend deep, deep, deep empathy and sympathy and pray for your friend, um, regarding the questions about, you know, do I believe the claims of God, the mother? No, um, I worship, you know, um, father, son, Holy spirit, the Trinity. Um, I'm very traditional Christian. Um, and I agree with the global Catholic church on that. Uh, uh, second coming of Christ happening already in South Korea. Uh, no, that's false. And I, I don't agree uh, with that claim. Um, and so just to answer her questions very directly and pointedly. Um, and so I, so my advice is that you pray for your friend, um, extend empathy, you know, be sympathetic uh, um, to her. Um, and, 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 uh, as was spoken earlier, it sounds like I would imagine that she seemed to be, you know, in um, the Christian uh, uh, faith, you know, prior to this shift. Um, um, and so I would even um, begin to talk to her about um, 
the scriptures, you know, um, and, 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 and talk to her mm-hmm. and have discussions, you know, about it. Um, because the, the, the spirit, you know, at the end of the day, you could present a whole bunch of facts and a whole bunch of truth. Trust. I've, I've actually had a friend that was caught in a cult before. Um, mm-hmm. and so I know what not to do, which is not to beat them over the head with the Bible, which is what I did. And so, <laughs> but, uh, okay, no, I know what to do. Never okay. you. No. Not me. No, I know. Far be it for me. <laughs> So, <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make light of the situation. It's very serious. Oh yeah. Um, but my do not underestimate the power of prayer. Do not um, underestimate the power of the Spirit working through the Word, um, because it is the Word of God um, that that can break up the stony ground. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts, separating bone from marrow. Um, that's Hebrews. You know, we we believe this Word. Um, and I believe that the, um, the spirit can remove scales, um, from the eye, from the eyes of your friends so that she can see the beautiful light of the gospel once again, um, and begin to rejoice once again in her salvation. And so that's my, um, advice, um, um, continue to plead for her, um, um, through intercessory prayer, but also remain in her life, stay in contact, um, stay close to her, um, continue to love on her, um, talk about the scriptures together, um, and also look up, learn, learn about this church and try to decipher, is this a cult? Is it not? If it is, what do I need to do in order to begin to, um, help to bring her out of that? Um, so that's, you know, our, those are, I think that's everybody's thoughts on that. Oh yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say also, because yeah. um, I I think at a, on a maybe on a smaller level, the reality is one reason why we have so much polarization within Christianity and and within social political identities in the country is because people have a real hard time being able to sit with people who believe and think differently than them, and to the extent in which you are insecure in your own beliefs, um, I think that that increases the likelihood of of polarization and of mm-hmm. of demanding that people believe what you believe. When you think about the mm-hmm. passage where where the disciples like um you know they're they're over there uh, right sharing in your name and and they're not following us. And you know ultimately like, what is it to you? I'm like exactly I'm like you you know what friend you don't actually need to follow me because I'm really shaky. Mm-hmm. Um but but Christ is who is keeping me and I and that Christ can keep you too. So there's a difference between I think having an obsession with people agreeing with you because of your own need to feel um, adequate um, because of your own insecurity, your own theological insecurity. Like you need other people to, to affirm what you think and believe. Um, so that makes a difference between that, that that'll shape us differently in terms of how we interact with people. We'll be committed to standing by them and with them and praying with them and just, and just rejoicing in their humanity, which is beautiful in and of itself, whether they never agree with us or not, you know, and we can, we can grieve those, those of us who hold to a belief that this, you know, this is like, um, this is deeply eternally serious. Um, we can still, um, choose to deeply love people who agree, who agree and disagree with us mm-hmm. on significant topics. And I think in showing that love, we show to people that they're more than just our personal affirmation, but that they have value in it of themselves. And I think um, that's how we win the credibility to be able to speak to them and to, and to offer um, our perspective, our beliefs to them as well. Mm-hmm. So 
Akemeni. We spend so much time at the table talking to sisters in the faith, people who are out here spreading truth and sharing so much knowledge. Word on the street is that our sis, Latasha, is dropping some knowledge directly into our readers' hands. What's going on? Yes, our sister Latasha Morrison, who, by the way, was a Black Girl Magic guest from season one, is dropping her debut book entitled Be the Bridge, Pursuing God's Heart for Racial Reconciliation. We are so excited for Latasha Morrison uh, because in Be the Bridge, the book, it presents a compelling vision of what it means for every follower of Jesus to become a bridge builder who is committed to pursuing justice and racial unity in light of the gospel. Y'all know Tasha doesn't play. And in the book, she addresses the fact that racial tensions are high within the church and outside the church, right? And it's a time for Christians to become the leaders in the conversation on racial reconciliation. Mm -hmm. As y'all know, Tasha Morrison is firmly rooted in the biblical principle of reconciliation. So Be the Bridge is a power-packed guide that inspires and equips Christians to dismantle barriers and pursue racial unity. And Tasha is not holding back. Uh, In Be the Bridge, she presents a surprising blend of unapologetic candor and genuine hope. Morrison encourages the church to lead the charge in the pursuit of justice and reconciliation. So, Em, do we have a deal for our sisters at the table? Yes, we have got to. Y'all don't want to miss this book. Make sure you go to bethebridge.com slash store and use the code TRUTH15 for 15% off. Now, This code, TRUTH15, will get you 15% off at bethebridge.com slash store only from September 28th to October 10th. So you have to exactly run to there. (laughs) Uh, While you're there, you can also pre-order the book. And when you do, I think we get exclusive bonuses from Latasha. What did they get? There's like curated playlists. There's a spoken word piece from the book or focused around its topics. And there's an interview with the author and so much more. Now to pre-order the book, you want to go to a special website link and that is wmbooks.com slash BTB pre-order. So if you want to get the store discount, get your 15% with our code truth 15 at bethebridge.com slash store. But if you want to pre-order the book, and we suggest you do to get all these extras, go to wmbooks.com slash btb pre-order. Sisters, you know, we never leave y'all without a deal. Get on it, sisters. Okay, that's good. Michelle, shake the bag, girl. Okay. <laughs> Lord, this is we saving the deep ones for last. Okay, <laughs> this one you think is deep? Okay, let's see. <laughs> well, okay, maybe because it's a paragraph, I just presume it's, long. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna take a while. Yeah, you kind of you. This be. I think it'll be easy. Yeah. Okay, got. Mm-hmm, you're right. Go ahead. Okay, so a white person and an Indian who are faithful brother and sister in Christ argued that the difference in race was created by man and ethnicity was created by God. So 
First of all, that sounds like a three different people walk into a bar. <laughs> so we they went they trying to set the scene for us. All right. So a white person and an Indian person who are faithful brother and sister in Christ were arguing that the difference between race and ethnicity is race is created by man, ethnicity created by God. Okay. The explanation of this is that to pursue a multi-ethnic church, you don't talk about race. Race is not the focus. So basically you don't deal with any of the issues of race. The hope is to make the congregation brown and that the issues will just fix themselves. Mm. So our sister who submitted this? Mm -hmm. It's a sister, yeah. Agrees. Mm -hmm. She's in a... Congregation in agrees that humanity created race. However, ignoring mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. has not worked mm-hmm. thus far and it won't work. And her fear is that for the sake of quote unquote unity and peace, these issues mm-hmm. caused directly by the church in America. Oh, and her church specifically what? are going mm-hmm. to just be ignored. Wow. Thank you for that direct read. Um, so basically. <laughs> what, girl? <laughs> I believe she already has the answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying like, how is this a question? I feel like we over here just saying amen to you. Okay. So basically the church wants to make, um, they want to make the church more brown, Oh, by erasing the black, and they uh, will eventually oh even push out. So that's how she feels about it, at least. Mama. Bottom line: What is the difference between multi-ethnic church movement and multi-racial church movement? Are they different? Are they synonymous? Uh, mm. Okay, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of the colonization scheme. Of um, this is all I got to say, oh. and I'll let Christina answer because she has the technical answers. I'm like, is that? <laughs> so don't, you don't want me to? You don't want me to? No, answer no. So. But it does. No, people do. They, they really do want your. You don't want me. I'll be like, that's all I sham. <laughs> no, but foolishness. Um, <laughs> but. but it, reminds, it does remind me of, I don't know, something about, you know, um, trying to di- dilute the blackness. That's not what she said, but that's pretty much Ooh. what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It reminds me, actually, of the colonization scheme. Um, and I'm reading a whole bunch of history, so this is this is what y'all getting from me today. <laughs> is um, uh, Abraham Lincoln was on it, you know, initially, and um, uh, Presbyterian ministers. Actually, well, not just Presbyterian. Presbyterian ministers, but just minister, you know, um, you know, so-called, you know, whatever you want to call them, pastors, you know, Christians, whatever, after slavery, trying to send uh, the enslaved back, but like just to like some default, some country uh, in Africa, right? So sending them back to, you know, Sierra Leone or, or Liberia, right? Sending them really, really, really what would become Liberia, you know, sending them back there so that they don't have to see, you know, um, them, uh, and deal with the guilt um, of their own complicity and their own uh, um, hand uh, in chattel slavery. And so it's just almost as if, like, just out of sight, out of mind. You know, they're gone. We don't have to deal with it no more. That's all I got to say. It just reminds me of the colonization, colonization scheme. That didn't work, um, by the way. <laughs> so, But, yeah, anyways, in my mind, multi-ethnic, multiracial, those terms are typically used synonymously um, although there is an actual technical difference, which Christina can explain. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm like, I okay, know. focus, focus. Um, <laughs> no, so yeah, so yeah, race, we think about caste systems and categorizations coming through, um, I don't know, like 
Darwinian influence um, in order to put people into these uh, groups, negroid, cockatooid, mongoloid, basically made up things, mm-hmm. made up things, okay? Um, mm-hmm. Which is still in some people's textbook, like right now, people are writing it out. Um, mm-hmm. So when we think, yeah, so so technically there is a difference between multi- multiracial and multi-ethnic. I think the way that it boils down in our cultural context is that we think of those things almost interchangeably, though. And mm-hmm. um, so when, we, when we're talking about uh, race, though, it, it is a sociological term, and it does allow for us to talk about um, why it exists and the power and privileges and marginalization that are associated with racialization in in a more readily way, more, a more accessible way than we can when we talk about just ethnicity. Although that those dynamics are at play amongst all people groups, um, so I think any church that wants to be uh, multi ethnic, multicultural, multi economic is going to have to talk about the it's going to have to talk about sin. I don't know what these churches are that don't talk about sin. And so if you're like church, churches should be talking about sin. And one of those, one of the sins that plagues America is the sin of racism. So you, if you're a church, you should be talking about that. And if you have people in it, you should be talking about the sins that impact people and that the sins that people do. One of those is racism. So I, I think this is an odd, I think this is a way to maintain a faux peace um, that is uh, that's not going to be enduring, and it's going to be at the expense of those most hurt and marginalized. It is not a loving strategy. It is a cowardly strategy. Right. And it is what you now many people do this. They ride this out. You know, don't you know? Don't talk about it. it won't be no trouble. You know, they're trying to avoid things. Um, but it is superficial. It's not enduring, and it sacrifices those who are most negatively impacted and hurt. And and it's unloving to those who are racist, who need to repent. It is unloving to leave them in their bondage of racism as well. So it's not loving to, for example, the racist white dude in the church for you not to call out the sin that seeks to kill and destroy him, not just give him a tax break. So the -hmm. church needs Mm -hmm. to, needs to tell the truth and preach the entire council of scripture, which would Mm -hmm. leave us, uh, which would bring all of these things up in reality. Just just read the prophets, yeah. saints, read the prophets, read Jesus, read the prophets. Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually, as you were talking, see, it actually reminded me of the fact, actually, that the many of the Black churches are actually very multi-ethnic, actually, because there's diversity within Blackness. So, like, just yesterday at my church, <clears throat> this month, they've been celebrating the different ethnicities within the church. And so they lifted up, you know, um, Nigerians, people from um, uh, Sierra Leone yesterday, you know, um, in Senegal. And so they've been highlighting that, you know, the diversity within um, even the black church. So that's, I do want to just throw that there out. You go. There you go. There you go. So, M, do you have anything to add for the sister? Are you, are you, are you, is your heart and mind clear? You know, I mean, for me, I just think this is a safety issue for the black people mm-hmm. um, in this particular congregation. But, you know, that's that I guess that's in a lot mm-hmm. of places. Um, mm-hmm, but if mm-hmm. this idea of what some people lately are calling browning um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the in a bad way, in an anti-black way, there is an anti-black browning to check off to just tick that checkbox that says we're not racist and that's it um then that is such deep anti-blackness 
as it tokenizes and continues to pit against black people, Mm -hmm. it pits other people of color against black people and it moves them Mm. towards really embracing whiteness as godliness. And, and that is a, that's a, that's a safety issue. That's my concern. And maybe I'm just triggered. (laughs) No, that's legit. I agree with you. It can be, it could be all those things Uh and still be quite legitimate. Mm -hmm. It is. And, and there, and it's not, it's not, it's not holiness. (laughs) Whiteness is. And and right. (laughs) And you start to call it unity. You start to call it peace. And then when somebody is just so black that they're not fitting in with a brownie, Mm. then their blackness becomes discord. Their blackness becomes violence. And if our our Indian uh, family member, whether they are, she was referencing uh, a native person or a person from the Asian continent, um, no matter what, they will be forced to decide and to choose between godly whiteness and evil blackness, despite the fact that their own heritage, their own culture has deeply celebratory and festive practices much more akin to blackness than whiteness. Um, and this, so this is a, it's the sharecroppers plan, right? It's, it's like what y'all were saying is the exact plan to create a caste system. So multi-ethnic focus, quote unquote, in the wrong way actually creates racist caste mm. systems. Mm. Cowards. Yeah. It's the mm-hmm. word. Yeah. Destroyers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're praying for you, girl, whoever you are. We're praying for Strength you. Strength power to your sister. Remember, in Amen. America, we have lots of options for and churches. And maybe we'll see you at yeah. Joy and Justice. Maybe we have Amen. whatever this yeah. comes out. I don't know. Come find <laughs> us. <laughs> I'm just saying. Sometimes, you know, I, I just want people to know that long-suffering in these contexts, when your Blackness is in question, Mm-hmm. That, that that ain't the that ain't the long suffering God is calling you to. Is all yeah, I'm and, and, and so you have I'm to do that individual work to figure out what what's up with that too. That, that's, a, that's a whole other episode about um, Christian self self inflicted right. martyrdom. Right, um, right. Do I martyrdom. stay or do yeah, I go? I think to really yeah. sort through that, and I mean, some, and I do think some people are called into different spaces for different seasons yeah. of their lives. Absolutely, um, sure, sure. but yeah, but ultimately, we need to always be asking the Lord to search us to show us what, what's really going on, how we're working out our issues, um, using the church mm-hmm. as a, a proxy to work out our stuff. So that ain't, that ain't cool. Yeah. Either, so. Well, see, you got the okay. last one. I think you shake the bag, shake the bag. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is interesting. How to navigate code switching. I- <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, okay. I love our culture. I love capital L, capital O, capital V, capital E. I love (laughs) our culture. But you can slang or even just speaking with a country accent. This is fascinating. My intelligence is automatically judged or seen as lesser than. I don't want to act different, but many times it's easier for other people that do not know African-American culture for me to adjust for them. I want to be professional, but also authentic. How do or don't you navigate this and why? Code switching. Oh, code switching. 
Oh my. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> I know Michelle's got feelings about coastal. Oh, many I've so Can you switch, switch, switch? Can you switch that code? Can you code well, that well, switch? Well, well, well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I basically have stopped code switching, and and I understand the privilege and the luxury behind that. I really, really mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. because it it is really difficult for some of us to say, "All right, everyone should stop code switching." That's just. We need to just be our authentic right, selves. Right. And then right away, you enter into oh, intellectualism, which takes us into ah, classism, because your code switch ain't like my code switch. And um, yeah, there's a lot of different places to potentially be offended or, or hurt. But all of that is just within communities that share AAVE or African-American vernacular English. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you get around people that don't know, as the sister wrote, do not know African-American culture, you ain't lying. It is so much easier to just adjust. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's one reason why I feel so deep and y'all can take all the everything from here because I have too many feelings to keep in just this one <laughs> section of the episode. I feel some kind of way when I decide to stop code switching and around the white people in my friend group, they begin to appropriate AAVE via text. I I just saw it on an Instagram post. I mean, it's as if whenever we decide to be our authentic selves, we can't have none. We cannot have that, which even our quote unquote woke white friends know they cannot have. But because we are kindred and we're cool yeah. now, you get to talk like Nobody I talk, despite woke. the fact. <laughs> let's take it back. You get to text That's like true. I talk, knowing that you don't talk like that. That's what gets me is when we know why our white friends know that appropriation is real and it's wrong, but they will find little ways to say, oh, it's just slang knowing that's not how you talk. That's not who you is. And so I understand. And I feel on a deep level, this idea that like, look, I really want to be myself. I also want to be professional. I would add to that since I understand because you also don't want to give anyone, (laughs) honestly, any kind of an inch. It's so hard to figure out. Right, right. Mm. And so my overall response to navigating this is once again that gorgeous aspect of Holy Spirit given and driven self-worth that says no matter what is judged or seen as lesser than, you know who you are. Okay? Ramonda Mm. is talking to you. Remember Mm. who you Mm. are. And Mm -hmm. don't let go of that because my hope is that people feel so comfortable in who they are and how they talk that they're going to accidentally slip into their quote unquote country accent. I don't know about that (laughs) particular (laughs) phrase, but you know, (laughs) if that's how it comes out, then that's fine. But I do think that using AAVE slang or going into accents from different regions, I, I just, I deeply believe if that's who you are and you let that out, then you 
better not let anyone's Mm. judgment of you impact you so deeply that you change who you are. Now, I understand people not knowing what you're talking about. I get that. That's a communicative issue. But if Mm -hmm. this is based solely on having your intelligence questioned, oh, girl, no, 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 no. Don't let that seep in because that's exactly the reason that people tried to force us to code switch in the first place. Because mm. only monkeys talk like fill Ooh, in the blank. God. Guess what? You're proof that humans speak like that. So that's where I am. Well, well, well. All righty then. That's a lot. You know what? You know what? Um, <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all better stop playing with them text messages with Michelle. Y'all, y'all better stop playing. <laughs> trigger, trigger, trigger. I'm just gonna tell you directly because you know. That's, Y'all that's, need that's, to fall that's, back. That's the street that I live on. I'm like, because you know, For I don't real. make people understand symbolism. I think you got to tell them straight up. Don't, don't do pull it up. <laughs> don't do don't it pull up. Don't pull up on her. <laughs> if you're listening to this episode, she's talking to you. I think I you really am. You know what? The Come ability correct. to navigate between um, the, the ability to speak in a way that connects and shows the artistry of God's like providential hand knitting you through different communities and time periods, I think it's quite beautiful. And so, um, although I understand like the sociological or the stratification elements of like, this is why you have to talk this way. This is the, the whiteness of what we call professionalism. Got all mm-hmm. that. I mean, from a cultural intelligence and artistry standpoint, I love when people are able to knit together all of their intersecting worlds and to teach something, to express something. It actually makes the learning much mm-hmm. deeper and more impactful when people are using their true voice mm-hmm. and respecting the voice of the audience because there's no point in teaching something if you can't communicate it to the people that you're teaching to. That's, in other words, that's selfish. You know, you have to be able to relay that right. to other people, um, to the audience that you're serving. Mm-hmm. So you got to be mindful of that. But nevertheless... I, I mean, I I don't necessarily think of myself as a person when I'm in different spaces as a person who's code switching, because I feel like I talk the way I'm talking right now to my kids. Like this is how I talk. Like this is how I talk right. all the time. Right. And part of that, I think, I am too tired. I'm too tired. I'm too tired to play. And I don't think. And I, I if at very bottom of who I am, I don't believe that white people have colder water. Like I don't think white people are better than black people. And I know that white people have a whole bucket of slang and made up words that they use. Mm -hmm. God bless you. Use your, use your lingo, use your words. And I just know that that those words are no different than the words that I'm still holding on to from the early nineties. I haven't even moved into 2019, 2020 slang. I'm like, I'm staying right where I am. Like dope, dope came, dope left, and dope came back. Dope is left and dope is back again. I never left when dope first came out. So this is where I am. <laughs> and that's and that's fine with me. Why? Because the language we use is a reflection of our personality and our identities and the gift that we offer, offer, offer other people about who we are. And so I think the more you start to work on loving yourself, valuing yourself, valuing your story, you give yourself permission to be able to develop this quote unquote professional co- complex artistic voice that represents yeah. you. And that, and you know, some people might argue that that could be your brand, so to speak, from a professional standpoint. So the language that I use and I don't use and the way, you know, my cadence, this is a reflection, I guess, of Christina's brand. It is what it is. You know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, I don't, I'm now, I, I think I'm um, uh, led with this, just talking about how, you know, she's in spaces where, you know, she doesn't have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so she, you know, there's a little bit, I guess, it's a privilege. Privilege. Yeah. yeah. And, and me too. Yeah. Um, and that's the same too for me. I don't, you know, but on the show, I, um, you know, I don't coach, which I am who I am on the show. Um, even when I'm giving, when I'm giving lectures, if I'm preaching, if I'm doing anything, I'm still bringing all of me to the table. We now we switch in, we we switch right. to different modes. You know what I'm saying? So I'm in a different mode when I'm on when I'm on Truth's table. That and I and and then I'm in a different mode when I'm talking to my family, you know, or my friends. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, and so, uh, but I, as far as changing like my cadence, my tone, maybe what I how I say things or phrase them. I don't, um, I don't think I switch too much really, even when I'm doing a lecture and I'm much more, um, um, in my, I guess you could say my teacher mode, you know, uh, or teaching, uh, mode, even then you're still going to get, you know, my, my personalities, you might still get, um, uh, some AAV, you know, in even my, you know, uh, quote unquote professional lectures or whatever, or formal, let me say formal, you know, more formal lectures. So, um, I don't know, but I do, I realize that that is a bit of a, a privilege with, with regard to what I do as a one who's, um, who works independently, um, and for themselves, at least for the season, you know, so, um, but I understand if you say you're in corporate America or somewhere else, you feel yeah. that there's that real tension, yeah. you know, um, there's you know, organizational so I brands. You know, they're I organizational just, brands, and when you take a check yeah. from an organization, <laughs> this is this is just real talk. Yeah, you're representing. Real talk, so actually. that's different. Yeah. Keeping it real does go wrong in those yeah. spaces. And we got sisters in development <laughs> who are like, when I meet up with this donor, the yeah. last thing, yeah, you know. Yeah, I feel that. So you got to tighten up. You know, we all have to switch and we switch to different modes for different, you know, different, different settings. And so, um, I don't know, pray about it, discern it. Um, and, but make sure you're bringing yourself to the table, you know, um, and, and that doesn't, and you, yourself doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be that. May, whether you're comfortable using AAV or not, I mean, it's not that doesn't have to define you. That's oh, not the sum yeah, total sure. of blackness. You know what I mean? Um, but be who, be who you are, you know, um, um, but also be in the mode that uh, that that's required for whatever your, you know, your occupation is. I hope that sounds, I hope that's legit. I mean, I'm just saying, I, I just know that in certain settings, you just can't be however you want. You can't be loosey-goosey, whoever you want to be. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can't cut up and do whatever you want in church. I can't, you know, I can't look, right. sit back and be cocked out or be all loose. I mean, that's just, I'm in a set, a different setting. What? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, we just different what? settings. I for like, different <laughs> You're right. right. You know, different settings call for different things, you know? And so I don't, I don't think, and it, we don't have to always think about it as I'm selling out to the man. Mm-hmm. No, sometimes there's, there's different modes and you just got to, right. you know, and you switch, you know, appropriately. And when you're out of that mode, you, you know, be who you are, but, but you can still bring yourself, um, it, bring, bring, bring all of you into that yeah. mode. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't want you to feel like you're like, I'm leaving this person behind. Yeah. I mean, is it, I mean, is it co, is it co-switching if you're talking to your grandmother right. and, right. and yeah. you, right. Like, I don't think that's inauthentic for me to give a particular right. level of deference when I speak to my right. 90 right. plus year old grandmother. Um, I don't need to speak to her <laughs> right. the same way I speak to everyone Ooh, else. But right. she ain't everybody else, you know? And so I think I think there is a need for for all people to think about what are the expressions mm-hmm. of respect 
yes. in their cultural context that are still authentic to who they are and be ready to do that shift when appropriate. I, I think what the world needs now is respect. <laughs> And so I think that's okay. I think that's all right. I just want, I just want to throw that out there. It's like, you know, I don't want my, my kids need, my kids do need to well, coach. They better coach. Right. Not they bring that slang on here. That's true. That's true. <laughs> they, they need to talk to me like that's I am true. their mother. That's not true. like their hey, own yeah. girl. Just want to lay, just want to lay that out there. Just well, hey, <laughs> we did it. We 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 went through we all the questions it. in the mailbag. This is probably our longest. This, this got to be our longest episode for the season, man. We gave y'all everything. Y'all love our mailbag, so I hope y'all love it. <laughs> Well, yes, there it you is go. what it is. So all the questions are answered. <laughs> well, sisters, thank y'all for sitting at the table with us. Yeah. Uh, this week, uh, yeah, y'all you. know our season is wrapping, but it's not over quite yet. But we're very, very close, y'all. Um, but let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about season three's mailbag episode using the hashtag Truce Table. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Truce Table or email us your thoughts at asktrucetable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truce Table has a Patreon account now, so you can send your love offerings to www.patreon.com slash truthstable or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is www.paypal.me slash truthstable. Truthstable is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit Pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. And we have been your hosts, Akemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.